talking about basically PR, actually. Yep. She wanted to pursue law and she ended up in computer science. She mm-hmm. asked me what my background was and I told her PR. Pam also, so Pam and I are part of this group called Black PR Association of Los Angeles. And we collaborate on a bunch of projects together. And Pam is amazing. Actually, you know what, you guys? Pam, go ahead. Introduce yourself, love. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Hello, everybody out there in the world. Uh, My name is Pamela Chinawa. I am in Los Angeles, born and raised in SoCal. But yeah, as far as PR is concerned, I have been actively working in the industry for eight or nine years. Um, But it's been a long, long passion of mine for much longer um, I started doing some version of PR back when I was in high school, actually, with all, you know, all the friends bands. And this was in the early 2000s. So, you know, all the the bands coming out. So I helped my friends with some management stuff and some what I thought at the time was just like band promo, fan club street team type of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then that eventually grew and morphed into kind of like, is it advertising that I love? Because I've always been also extremely passionate about advertising and like commercials. I've always been so obsessed with them. So it was like, is it advertising, marketing, PR, and somewhere in the early college years landed on PR. And I was, I think I'm very lucky to be one of those people who knew from the jump because (laughs) even when I was in school, I was the president of my chapter of the Public Relations Society. And senior year, you'd have people coming up you know, oh my God, I majored in the wrong thing. I I majored in comms or I majored in marketing. And they're like, I actually want to do PR. So I think I'm kind of one of those lucky people who knew from the jump because a lot of people, it seems like they kind of fall into it. But yeah, my my work history has been primarily in entertainment and tech and a little bit of everything. But right now I'm working a lot in the entertainment world, Um, not with talent. It's not my favorite thing to do, but like with brands and all of that good stuff. Oh my goodness, you are talking my language right now because I fell into it. But I was always doing, like you said, I didn't know I was doing PR, but I was doing it in high school, I was doing it in college. And uh, I actually was supposed to be a kinesiology major. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, I went in undeclared because I wasn't positive, quickly decided kines, couldn't get into the kines program. Oh yeah. It, it was so impacted. And then one of my professors, thank goodness, sat me down and said, you need to do PR. Wonderful black man, taught um, media and entertainment law at mm-hmm. San Jose State. And I said, you know what? I'm going to take him seriously, take his class, listen to him. And that was it. Yeah, I love and that. that was it. I yeah. think a lot of times it's a, it's it's really a single professor or maybe a few who end up putting you on a certain path and you're like oh you got me it's the best thing fell into it and then at my first agency that I worked at I hated it I hated it and I was like oh I messed up I messed up but it really turned out that that agency was just terrible for me (laughs) it was terrible I got in trouble for giggling there and I just knew like I need to leave (laughs) no don't like that life my goodness Oh my gosh. But okay, so let, let's let get into that. Let's get into workspaces and diversity inclusion in workspaces. So how do you deal with bias in the workplace? Okay, I hate to say this, but a part of me thinks 
that terrible experience I had came from who I was working with. I was the only person of color there. Right. Uh, the people who I used to get in trouble from were older, stuffier, non-people of color. Not mm-hmm. Nothing against pe- non-people of color, but uh, I wonder if there was racial bias towards me. And I didn't right. think that at the time, but how could I have dealt with that? Yeah. I think that's, it's one of those things I think what we have to understand when we go into these situations is that there always is bias, period. Regardless of how um, intelligent someone is or experienced they are or how woke they think they are, whatever the case is, there is just literally always bias. Um, And what we have to do as a society, especially in professional workspaces, is we have to overcompensate for that. And I think for us specifically being black women, like it's a very tough spot because you're, you're talking about uh, gender bias in the first place. And then on top of that, you're talking about racial bias. And I think most black women I know in professional spaces, review time comes around and they're not being judged about their work skills. They're being judged based on uh, perceived social things like mm. you're intimidating or you don't get along enough with this person or whatever the case is. So it's one of those things that for us as women, we have to navigate those spaces very um, intellectually in, in the, in the space of like, you're playing a chess game. So you really have to mind your P's and Q's, see what people are doing, figure out what kind of mind people are working with. Because I think once you understand how they think you can play that game a little bit more Um, but for those of us who are, for the people who tend to be the biased ones, it really just comes down to like, how can we set up a system where we can train them to recognize the fact that they're always biased and then work to overcorrect that. So that's the hard part. Yeah. But I think right now we're in a space where it's very possible. Yes. I love that you said that because there literally is bias in no matter what situation you are. I think about blondes. I mean, blondes, blondes just right. want to have, or girls just want to have, have fun. Blondes just yep. want to have fun. Uh, blondes are stupid. Not saying that any of this is true, but these are stereotypes and biases that people have on people, no matter what they look like. Everyone has biases. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm really feeling this. Ashley says, basically, we're just babysitting people. I mean, listen, that's that's a thing. And a lot of times in my career, I've come to this realization. And I think this is something that happens to people of all ethnicities. But I think it's very specific to women, especially. But I also think very, very, very specific to Black women is you want to show up and do great work, period. And I think most people in any professional setting we just want to be able to show up to work, be given the tools to succeed, and then be given the space to succeed. And that's it. Most people just want to go to work and do good work. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times you find yourself in situations where you're surrounded by people who don't have that mindset at all. So, you know, you being you, you're like, okay, it's, it's like that group project in school. You're like, you're like, okay, I don't want to do everything by myself, but this person's not going to do it. So you're constantly hounding on someone to be like, can you just do your job correctly? We all have the same goal here. We're all trying to succeed in the workplace, whether it's an agency or in-house or whatever. The business relies on people being good employees 
but also like the business itself supporting them as employees. So a lot of times I feel like people in our position end up babysitting people because we're just like, okay, come on, like do better, do better. And especially when we're looking from the younger side and looking up where we have to manage upwards, we're dealing with people who have not kept up with trends or times or technology, whatever the case is. <laughs> and they're sitting here telling you how to do your job. But at the same time, they're like, can you help me open this Excel grid? And you're like, you're like, no. <laughs> like it's crazy. And you're just yes. like, why, like who's running the show here? Because I know you're coming to me for all of my insight and my experience and like, oh, you're a millennial and who, who do you talk to Gen Z, whatever, whatever, whatever. But then where's the money going? It's not going to us. So these are just like a lot of those things where you're like, I'm babysitting someone who's older than me, who has more experience than me, yeah. but who has not kept up with the times. And the work that I'm putting in isn't being compensated in that sense. They're just like, we just expect it to be part of your job. Yes. Oh my goodness. First of all, you guys, if you do not have a job that pours into you, one, right. in a work setting, like you need to be poured into as an employee, you need to be appreciated, reviews, raises, all of that good stuff. But if you do not have a job that uh, offers you educational opportunities to go to conferences, to mm -hmm. maybe get certificates um, that will help your job. I'm not saying that you have a job that's paying you to go uh, <laughs> to Italy for a exactly. year, nothing like that. But things that will help you do better work, mm -hmm. try to get one. There's there's plenty of them out there. There are um, there are Kaiser. If you work for Kaiser, they help you get your masters. If you don't have it, they'll pay for some of it. So uh, do that because there's too many jobs out here that will do that for you. Yep. Um, yes. Uh, let's see. Ashley said sexual harassment, all types of breastfeeding, no pun intended. It's true. <laughs> and especially, you know, back in the day, there were many expectations of women mm -hmm. from men in the workplace that were unfounded and should never been there. So there's all kinds of biases coming from everywhere. So how do you suggest, Pam, that we kind of deflect all the bias that can happen in the workplace and really try to move up the ladder. How can we do this? Right. So here's one thing that I will say, and I think it's true to everything in life is I am a fan of the receipts, receipts, mm. receipts, receipts, all things receipts. So like for me, I think it's really important to document all of your successes, like everything, every single client email that says, great job. I love this, whatever. I, I, it's in a file somewhere, like it's somewhere. <laughs> Every time you have an issue with someone or a conversation with someone, there needs to be a paper trail. It needs to be documented. Yeah. All of these things that show your value as an employee, you should be documenting somehow so that when time comes around, the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. And I think in a agency sense, you have a little bit more of an easier time doing this just because there are very specific goals tied to having a client. Yeah. So like, first off, is your client happy? <laughs> Secondly, were you able to increase the business, get more money, whatever the case is. So things like that, once you document it, put it in your file. And when time comes around, you are like, I can quantify my value to this agency. 
number or this company numbers mean everything yeah. so if you can quantify yourself then you're putting yourself in a great position but i also think another extremely important thing is camaraderie and that's another thing that I say applies in all areas of life. If you don't have your crew, if you don't have your person, you're not going to get very far. Like that's period, full stop. And I'm not of the mind of competing. I, I hate competition in like, I love competing with myself. I love competing to see how far I can get in life and how much better of a person I can be. But for me, it's really about connecting with people and lifting each other up. So you have to have your, your person, your ride or die, who, you know, they have my back. If something goes off the wall, I know that they're either a witness, be a testament to my character, whatever the case is, but also someone who can just go around the company and sing your praises, not because you owe them something or they owe you something, but because you genuinely support each other and you genuinely think, respect each other's work, right? So yeah. I can go talk to a CEO or whoever and say, oh, so-and-so is an amazing person. I've done such great work with her. Danny's fantastic. The clients love her, blah, blah, blah. Like if you have someone doing that for you and you don't even have to think about it, yes, it's money, baby. Like that's just how uh, it is. You are saying it because honestly, you guys, what do you do when you eat a great burger? You tell somebody else about it. What do you mm -hmm. do when you see a good movie? You tell somebody else about it. When you do good work and you make other people feel good, they're going exactly. to tell somebody else about it. That's yep. just the way it works. Snaps and you know that. what? That's, that's an interesting thing in this industry, in PR, especially in the talent world, because I think a lot of people have gotten away with not being nice. Yes. And I think publicity or public relations in general has sort of a reputation of like this mean girls mentality or like, whatever the case is. And one, there are definitely people like that. There are definitely agencies like that. But I think at the end of the day, kindness is gets you so much further in life, not just with the stories you're able to get, get because journalists actually like you and they want to pick up your phone call and they're like, oh, this, like, she's chill. Like, she'll give me what I need, da, 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 da. But also your coworkers, also your boss, also your clients just being a kind person always turns things back around so much, so much more quickly. And I see a lot of people making that mistake of, I'm going to do it all on my own. I am not going to be nice. I'm going to be whatever, whatever. And I just don't think that gets people very far. I agree with you. I've had, I've been really lucky to work at some amazing companies. I've even had a boss say I was moving, not this time, but I was moving and I had a boss say, let me know if you need a raise to make what you need to make in order to get an apartment. And that's unheard of. I, I had never heard of that. That's something amazing. But because he saw that I poured into my job yep. and into the company, he poured into me. And it's especially true of smaller companies because smaller companies are families. So if yep. you do not, if you are the sore thumb in that small company, and even worse, if you're a sore thumb in a big company and everyone knows it, everyone will know it and everyone will talk about it. And exactly, you check more with honey, didn't do it vinegar. My mom says that all the time. Yep. You will literally be overlooked. It's time for layoffs. All right, she's going to mm -hmm. go. We're going to have a poor time or, or unhappy time working with her and we need happiness right now. All right, she's exactly. gone. Exactly. 
so then how can we practice setting boundaries? It is really good to involve yourself in office culture and build a sort of family at work. But how do you set boundaries at work, outside of work, especially in this weird situation where everyone's working from home and you may work like 12 hours a day unknowingly? I know. Well, okay. See that right there is step one is I think right now it's so easy to lose track of time. You need to be paying attention to the clock. If it's not the clock you're looking at, it's literally the sun in the sky because it's so easy to literally wake up, roll out of bed, hit your desk, work through lunch. Then next thing you know, you're like, oh, it's seven o'clock. The sun doesn't go down for another hour and you're still working. Right. So like, first of all, you need to be paying attention to time in general. But I honestly think that the setting boundaries thing is so much more to do with your internal kind of peace, I guess we could say, is what have you found within yourself that confidence that can allow you to say either no, yes, not now, whatever the case is. I think a lot of people are missing that aspect of themselves where they're able to say, I can say no to this because I need to. And I can say no to this because it serves me best to not do this thing. Um, Or it serves me best to put my work away and go work out or go make a delicious dinner or go take a nap. Whatever the case is, you have to be willing to put yourself first and to honestly say, I deserve that. I'm worth that. And I think a lot of people are still in a place where they think they have to prove their value either externally or internally. And I think a lot of people, if you're trying to prove your worth internally by overworking yourself, that's where you fall into the worst trap of it because people are going to look at you and just say, oh, she loves to work. That girl, she's always working till 10 p.m. Like I can always count on Danny to be up. I can always see her little green circle on Teams or Skype at 10 p.m. because I know she's working. Therefore, it doesn't bother me or I don't mind sending her a question or an email and expecting a response because I know she's going to be up anyway. So first of all, you don't want to be that person with that reputation in the first place. So you really have to set the boundaries within yourself and feel comfortable saying, I know I don't need to work until 11 p.m. In general, like that should not be consistent. Consistently, you should be saying, I'm going to prioritize sleep, prioritize drinking water, I'm going to prioritize having a social life with my friends. Like these are the things you have to say, what's going to make me happy in life. And granted, if your job is the best thing ever and it makes you so happy, go with it. But really, I think for most of us, despite how much we love our job and how passionate about it we might be, at the end of the day, you're like, a paycheck's a paycheck. And my job at the end of the day, I might be solving all the problems of the world, but my job when I go to bed at the end of the day is not going to be the thing that kind of makes me feel like I've necessarily changed the world or that I've been good to myself. Have you been good to yourself today? That's an easy question to ask yourself. Did I treat myself the way I needed to be treated today? And I think a lot of times for us, work is the thing that gets in trouble in, in the way of saying, I treated myself the way I needed to be treated today. So yeah. first of all, set those internal boundaries, learn how to say no, not now, maybe later, <laughs> I'll think about it. <laughs> like, all oh, of these on. quantifiers, <laughs> exactly. I just think it's so important because especially right now, like we're locked inside and people are gonna ask you to do things. And at the end of the day, it's just about saying, 
no, you know, maybe you can do it. Maybe you got tomorrow. I'll let you know what my schedule looks like. Maybe I can slip in 30 minutes tomorrow, you know, all of those things. And I think we tend to think that saying no is worse than what it really is. We get anxious about that conversation and that confrontation. Most of the time you just say no and then people go, okay. And that's Oh it. my goodness, honestly. <laughs> and maybe you hold that person accountable so they can do their own work. Maybe mm-hmm. uh, you show your boss or whoever are the stakeholders in that situation that you can set boundaries, which is something that higher ups and execs will look for. They don't want somebody that overloads themselves and eventually burns out and then everything's exploding. Like they want someone who can properly manage tasks. So that's really important. Yeah. I love that. And I love that you said that about saying no. I am a person that has a hard time saying no on on work items I took me a long time to start using the not active on slack anymore like (laughs) I was that person and then I realized that I would be so tired it's really easy to get in that mode where you feel like you can't do that Mm -hmm. like Pam said don't fall into that because once you get into it it's very difficult to get out and that's the thing is like you and I were working in PR how you present yourself professionally is all about branding and what's your personal brand are you are you the mcdonald's with the 24-hour drive-through that people are like i'm gonna call you anytime whenever you're on pto who what what's pto like you set your boundaries and i think exactly like you said danny which was so key and important is the people above you looking for promotions reviews da 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 they're looking for people who know how to manage themselves and manage other people. And part of managing other people is being able to say no, or like, I can't do it, but I know this person has time on their hands, whatever the case is. That person who just says yes, yes, yes. You think it's a, a, a strength sometimes and you think it looks good, but a lot of times it's interpreted as a weakness because can I trust you to go into a room with a client and tell them no when they need to be told no? I'm not sure. Because if you can't even take care of yourself, how can I trust you to take care of your part of the business? Yes. You know? Exactly. You can't promise a client or a potential business partner the world if that's Mm -hmm. something that's not feasible. And if you can't stand in saying no, then that goes out the window. That's so important. Especially when you're handling someone else's business, that is, that's a deal breaker. Exactly. That's someone else's money you're playing with. So, ooh, girl. Um, this may be a tricky question because you know, here in LA, we're closing back down a little bit and the barrier, yeah. we're closing back down a little bit too. But what does this transition look like when we maybe go back into the office, maybe start to have in person meetings? What right. does this look like? I mean, honestly, I I think that's the question for everyone, though. Like, we have no idea. And honestly, I I don't know if we have any idea when that's realistically going to happen. It ranges per city. And, you know, everyone has different, you know, how bad they're doing with the pandemic. But I think being in L.A., I know that my agency, they're kind of in the realm of like, we'll see what happens. First of all, your employer needs to be responsible. And if your employer is not taking your health responsibly, you need to get a new employer. 
And with that said, next time you interview for a job, you ask them what they did in response to this. How did they manage their employees during an unforeseen, insane pandemic? I mean, (laughs) we never could have seen this coming, but I think a lot of companies, you know, they talk about we're family, we're family. Well, what did you do when there was a pandemic all of a sudden? How did you treat your employees? Did you treat them like family for real? Um, So first of all, that's a big thing to look out for is how are your employers managing the situation? How seriously are they taking your health and other people's health? But outside of that, I think it's really, it's a mystery. I think we're going to have to wait and see. But I think the one thing we do know is that nothing will ever be the same. It's never like period. It's not going to be the same (laughs) going into conference rooms, like your conference room is going to be half full. You're going to be sitting four seats away from the next person, if at all. I just, I'm not even sure that the office life that we are used to and have grown accustomed to over however many decades, I'm not even sure if that's realistic anymore. Um, And especially now, having so many companies in this professional space, this white collar space, we're mostly able to work from home. So... I think this is a really interesting thing from an industry perspective across all industries is so many of these companies have been telling people for the longest, we need you here and we need you here every day. And we were like, but why? (laughs) And now we've all just proven that we don't all need to be in the office every day and you don't need to see me at my seat every day. So I think that is going to be probably the biggest change and all of our jobs will probably revolve around that shift in understanding, whether it's, you know, working in a completely different state. I know that I've seen people in different agencies that are now moving out of California because they're like, I don't need to be here anymore. And I have a family and I can afford to raise my family in a house in another state and my company is allowing me to keep my job. So all of these things are really different, but I think With that, we have to understand what it means to not have in-person communication anymore because that's a big, big, huge thing, especially in business, like going into a pitch meeting and being able to like, you know, you read someone's face, you read their hand gestures, you read the body language, all of that makes a difference, right? Yeah. And even just having a casual conversation, it makes a difference. So I think those are the areas where we're going to be a little bit more confused and kind of figuring it out along the way. But in general, I think it's really just wait and see. I think a lot of us now are in positions where we can advocate for ourselves a little bit more if we play the game correctly. So that goes along with the lines of set boundaries, make rules for yourself, especially like big ups to the parents right now. (laughs) Because... (laughs) God bless you all. They are struggling. And I think um, a lot of people are seeing now what moms have been working moms have been saying for decades. And those working moms are still expected to deliver at the same rate. But also uh, everyone else is now going, oh, so that's what you were talking about. So I think you need child care. That's why you need extra support. Mm hmm. So I think now people in that kind of position have a little bit more leverage to say, I told you, like, like I told you what's up. So like, let's, let's, you know, change the world around that. But I think a lot of people just need to buckle down and get prepared and, you know, 
read, write, do everything in between to keep growing yourself because I think we're losing a lot of growth opportunities that we would naturally find Mm -hmm. as we're out exploring the world. Just on a personal and professional level, you grow as you experience the world. And so much of what we're experiencing now is indoors. It's digital. So that tempers things down a bit. So I think it's really about putting in a real concerted, intentional effort to say, I'm going to continue growing. I'll continue learning and I'll continue doing amazing things with my work and all of the people around me man and that is a word on that note pam we are gonna have a part two of this because sure give us some words girl so you guys thank you so much for tuning in thank you pam we're so glad we had you we're gonna get you for a full hour next time thank you so much danny i really appreciate everything and thank you everybody for coming and listening and all the comments We'll see you guys next Friday and we'll have more real talk with real people, real women striving in the world. So have a good weekend, guys. Bye.